Hi everyone, this is Charles Drew with the Legendback Digital Commons Research Cooperative with another episode of the Philomat series on musings. Uh, for this episode, I'm just going to be talking about some of the legal issues which I think uh, can arise with uh, using uh, non-fungible tokens uh, for uh, as collateral in uh, loans, uh, especially your entities which purport themselves to be uh, representations of uh, intellectual property. And uh, I'll specifically just focus on copyright since most of the of the entities will probably fall under that uh, uh, IP. And so, you know, a quick uh, little outline. So first I'll describe uh, NFTs in my uh, really short uh, NFT taxonomy. Uh, then I'll talk about, uh, you know, using, uh, you know, IP for collateral. Uh, you know, really short, not, nothing too legalese. And then uh, some of the issues of actually using uh, NFTs for collateral. And then I think I might like mention a, a little bit of the securities issues, which can also arise with using uh, NFTs. So quickly, uh, you know, was a non-fungible token NFT. So non-fungible token is really just a, uh, a well unique uh, token uh, on a blockchain, which you know refers to a uh, what should be a unique digital asset. So, you know, kind of a wishy-washy definition of a of an NFT, but that's pretty much what it is. And at least how it usually goes on practice is that, uh, uh, you know, uh, with a lot of these like new uh, NFT auctioning platforms, you know, you can you know auction off an NFT. But really, what you're doing uh, with most uh, NFTs is that you know you're just getting uh, the rights or at least the uh, uh, the ability to say that you have access to a unique copy of a uh, digital assets you know this you know for the most part these digital assets are uh or copyrightable or like works of art so you know you've seen that empties really blow up in the art world uh, especially for digital arts you know not necessarily for like physical arts uh just yet <laughs> but i think that can uh, change very soon but uh you know the big thing uh really with entities uh, it's uh you know, at least the benefits that come along with them is really the introduction of digital scarcity. Uh, and you can really think of, uh, of that scarcity kind of relates uh, to, you know, just the fact that you can make, you know, thousands of copies of anything, uh, anything digital. So like, you, know, you see an image online, you can just right click, save, boom, you got, you got a copy. And so, of course, the big concern is like, you know, uh, which one's the, uh, the original or the, or the uh, the authoritative, uh, sorry, authoritative copy, and then uh, you know, also uh, you know it gets posted online and it's kind of thrown all over the places like who made this, and uh, you know, and if someone is making my office, it's you know the, the actual creator or is it someone else? So uh, so those are things that NFTs kind of help deal with in the scarcity sense, uh, because uh, just like how it is with the. Uh, with Twitter and how Twitter has uh, its uh, blue check badge, you know anyone can make like uh, a fake copy of uh, of anyone's accounts or of any, any individual, right? On uh, on Twitter, you know someone can make like a fake Brian Armstrong account. <laughs> uh, 
you know, uh, Brian Armstrong runs Coinbase. Uh, anyone can make a fake accounts of uh, Brian Armstrong, you know, puts, you know, their image up. They'll start Brian Armstrong's image up, say they're Brian Armstrong, <laughs> and then try to, you know, uh, coax people into believing that they're uh, Brian Armstrong when they're really not. But then, uh, uh, while I'm not, you know, truly sure if Brian Armstrong actually has a blue check mark, but, uh, you know, the official Brian, uh, Brian Armstrong account should probably have a blue check mark. And so, you know, what that blue check mark really signifies is that that's the authoritative account. You know, that's the one we should all be referring to. And it's a very similar thing for NFTs. By having the NFT, we're saying that this is an authoritative copy. And, you know, as long as the artist themselves actually signs off on it, because, you know, if it's someone else, you know, uploading it and the artist doesn't sign off, then no, it's not an authoritative copy. But, you know, if the artist is one uploading the NFT and then allowing for the, you know, uh, auction sale and then uh, future sales, and they say that this is the authoritative copy of their, uh, of their uh, creative work, then that's the authoritative copy and that's the one we should all look towards. And so, you know, hopefully that Twitter example kind of helps uh, make sense of things. Uh, I think another, you know, really good example is also, you know, just thinking about, uh, you know, cause, like someone making a copy of like the Mona Lisa, you know, like if I make a copy of the Mona Lisa, though I don't think my uh, art skills are up to the part to do that, but <laughs> if I did, uh, you know, like would it be as valuable as the Mona Lisa that's in the Louvre uh, in France uh, at the moment? And the answer is, of course not. <laughs> You know, just to make a copy doesn't make it as valuable as the mo uh, as the one in the Louvre. Just the one in the Louvre is the authoritative copy, and that's the one we all look towards. And also, that one's made by a genius, <laughs> while the one made by me is made by a complete amateur. <laughs> so, <laughs> so of course, obviously, won't be worth that same amount. And also, you know, won't be the one we refer to as the uh, the authoritative copy. So hopefully that helps, you know, kind of with the understanding of like the the uh, value, or at least when it comes to the scarcity, the digital scarcity. You know, even in the world of copying, we still look for authoritative copies. And then you know the other benefits as well. So we get provenance, uh, you know, thanks to the blockchain, we can track the NFT, uh, you know, the whole uh, life cycle of the NFT. So we can track it from creation to its most recent uh, transaction, which is great. This, that's uh, extremely helpful in knowing where the art's been, who's been using it, and where it's been going. So this way people can't necessarily hide uh, artworks. Because that does happen sometimes, and you know, does always lead to a stir like, oh, where does you know artwork go? It's like, well, <laughs> now we know. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's on chain. So those are two major benefits you get from uh, NFT's digital scarcity uh, and provenance. And then, uh, you know, my little uh, taxonomy of uh, of, uh, of NFTs, at least for uh, for now and for uh, for really this purpose. Uh, sorry, for the purpose of this uh, recording, as uh, you know, really define them into like two categories right now. So uh, the first is the JPEG link NFTs. These are the NFTs, which are just uh, links to an image uh, uh, store on like the uh, IPFS or Airwave, uh, usually some decentralized storage, but could also just you know be stored you know anywhere. It's pretty much any uh, any 
uh, image or <laughs> uh, you know could be a PNG, SVG, uh, you know JPEG uh, that's stored uh, off chain, and you know, one you can't track the creation of uh, on chain. So you know, one of the things uh, to also keep in mind is that you know blockchain is a closed loop system. Like the blockchain doesn't know anything about the outside world, and the only way for it to know about the outside world is through data oracles. So unless you're using an Oracle service uh, to help provide some outside information, uh, it's pretty much impossible to know, you know, well, to actually completely track uh, these uh, uh, NFTs, and especially the JPEG link NFTs, because, of course, it's a link from somewhere else. And so, you know, how that link gets to where it was in the first place. So, you know, one thing to think about, and then the second category is uh, generative art NFTs. And so with generative art NFTs, it's primarily uh, you know, algorithmically produced art. So you know, someone creates an algorithm, uh, usually puts it into software, uh, and then software, uh, upon execution, will create a work of art. And so you see this with like art blocks, which is pretty awesome to look at. And so, you know, with, the, with generative arts, it's a lot easier to actually track the provenance since usually the soft uh, software, the source code, actually gets stored on chain. And, you know, it's just a smart contract. And so that's, you know, something that's easy to store on chain. Excuse me. Actually makes sense to store on chain. Uh, and, you know, and from there you can actually track the, the, the provenance. You can see, like, okay, so here's a, uh, the smart contract. Execution, boom, we see the art created. So we can connect the art uh, to uh, the source code every time. And of course, it doesn't necessarily need to be you know, source code or software. I mean, generative art is just really any set of instructions to create uh, art. And so I think in one of my uh, earlier uh, musings, I talked about generative art and uh, you know, an artist uh, who... Uh, who had this, you know, generative art, which was created like back in like the seventies or uh, or eighties, and he just gave instructions to people, and uh, well, you know, actually like printed out instructions, and just gave them out to people in galleries, and he just made the art for him, and so like boom, that's generative art. But all generative art is really just algorithmically uh, gener uh, generated art. So like as long as there's like a set of instructions, and you follow the instructions, and then art comes out, boom, you got generative art. And so, uh, you know, generative art is like a lot uh, easier to uh, to deal with, uh, uh, I'd say, than with the JPEG link NFTs, since you know it's all on chain, and since the blockchain, once again, is a closed loop system, unless you're using you know data oracles specifically to get the information you're looking for, uh, you know, uh, it, it you know it doesn't know anything about the outside world. So, you know, if you can you know keep everything on chain, it makes life. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot easier. And so, if you're looking for more information on uh, NFTs, check out some of the past uh, film series on Musings. I'm pretty sure I have like NFTs uh, in the title. So, you know, just take a look and uh, hopefully find that uh, provide a little bit more information. So I'm not gonna go over uh, it too much. Okay, so just moving on to uh, using uh, intellectual property as collateral. Uh, so specifically, I was going to talk about uh, just copyright. So I'm just going to stick to copyright. Uh, so you know, if you want to use uh, uh, a copyright for uh, for 
collateral and a loan. Uh, this pretty much is like a secure transaction. So you got to follow Uniform Commercial Code Article 9, which requires you to perfect your interest. Uh, so I'm not going to really get into that, but you know, those are like you know, the, the keywords <laughs> uh, to, to look for uh, in, uh, in such transactions. And so every time you're going to use uh, a copyrightable work as as collateral, uh, the the person providing the loan, uh, you know, let's go creditor. You know, the creditor also always wants to check, you know, the the title to uh, uh, to the copyrightable work just to make sure that the person uh, who's requesting the loan uh, and you know using the uh, copyrightable work as collateral has uh, actual ownership rights or is the uh, the author of the copyrightable work. That's, you know, just like uh, I was mentioning with the JPEG link NFTs, you know, anyone can right click, save the image and, uh, you know, uh, can just claim that's like, oh, this is my image or, you know, I created this work. And, you know, like, you know, do we know that's true? Like, no, we don't. <laughs> and so, you know, that's a, that's a, like a legitimate problem that can uh, that can come along. And so in the in in the, in the actual loan situation. You know, you want to know, it's like, all right, so where did this image first appear? And, uh, you know, like, how do I know that the person who's requesting uh, this loan created this image? And so, you know, you got to search and, you know, figure out who actually has the title to it. So that's, you know, an area of big concern. And so, you know, just applying that, you know, to our, uh, well, uh, to the taxonomy <laughs> that I just made with the JPEG link NFTs and the uh, Journey of Art NFTs with the JPEG link NFTs, this is just like a nightmare. <laughs> like, it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> because, uh, you know, sure, we got some, you know, artists themselves who, like, who have uploaded their uh, original works as NFTs. So that gives us some authoritative copies. But then again, it's not always artists themselves which upload uh artworks or just you know copyrightable works uh you know on chain and uh as nfts you know sometimes people you know have uh you'll have upload other people's works uh with or without permission uh onto some of these uh, empty auction platforms and just start you know sales of them and so you know of course that leads to you know you know problems down the road uh, uh especially in the uh in the case of you know using NFTs as collateral, uh, if I'm using a JPEG link NFT as collateral, and uh, you know with uh, decentralized finance DeFi, you know you want to have you know automate the whole uh, loan process. You know that's you know actually makes the loan process itself you know very problematic, and you know uh, you know not necessarily automated because you know as I said you need to track the title down of these uh of these jpeg link nfts and so of course the problem with the jpeg link nfts is that you know, anyone can right click save an image and then upload <laughs> to one of these uh anti auction platforms to run an auction so of course the question is you know where did this person first got the image uh and so you know you're gonna have to check for the for the title and of course as i mentioned blockchains are closed loop systems they don't know anything about the outside world so you you know, so so unless you know uh, the person themselves is like the actual artist, and can mind artists, you know, can also steal too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know that's the thing about copyright. <laughs> you know, it, it can get very messy. 
And of course, you know, the thing is, you know, we all kind of borrow and steal from each other all the time. You know, so it's just like, you know, how much did he steal? How much did he borrow? Was it enough? What, you know, uh, was it too much? And, you know, those are, you know, the questions that come up. And that's a, you know, a big, you know, thing that can lead to uh, issues with title. Because, you know, you know uh, even if the artist themselves puts up, like, the NFT, it's like, well, who did, who inspired this NFT? Is there anything that's similar to this image? Because sure, it might have been the artist's own creative work. But let's say it's just really, really, really similar to another, you know, f uh, famous image. And it's like, well, are we allowed to use this? Can we? I mean, for example, you could, you know, someone could make like a, like some like kind of parody of like a Disney character of uh, of Mickey Mouse. And it's like, well, you know, sure, I want to give a loan, but does this person have the rights, you know, the permissions to make a, you know, uh, a derivative of Mickey Mouse? And, you know, if so, you know, like, how copyrightable is this? Is, is this, like, its own copyright? Or are they, you know, now using uh, Disney's copyright over Mickey Mouse? Uh, so, you know, those kind of, you know, things uh, are very pertinent questions that come along with these JPEG link NFTs. And, you know, other than, you know, worrying about, you know, how copyrightable uh, the, uh, the MT is, you know, you also, you know, if someone's using JPEG link MTs, you know, let's just say the person, you know, steals <laughs> someone else's, uh, image and uploads it, uh, to, uh, to the MT auction platform, and, you know, now they want to loan. Now, of course, you gotta look it up, uh, the title, and now you're, like, searching, excuse me, doing, like, a reverse Google image search, and it's like, okay, so where is this thing? And so, you know, in, in that case, you know, it becomes really, you know, it just becomes very problematic with JPEG like NFTs. Because, you know, of course, you know, these things come from, uh, you know, outside of the blockchain. Not, uh, you know, they're not made on on chain. <laughs> or at least, you know, it's very hard to determine uh, you know, how they got on the chain and how they actually got made. So, you know, stuff like that makes uh, using JPEG link NFTs for more, uh, financial uh areas or for uh, actually find some liquidity uh to uh to empties actually very hard and uh not something i would necessarily you know recommend and uh so the yeah, other than you know just worry about you know even title you know so i, you know, I mentioned you know tracing title you know also you gotta worry about how copyrightable are some of these uh artworks and just uh, creative works in general and something that might even you know, come up as well. It's like, sure, we might find out that this person isn't the actual uh, author, but, you know, like, do they own any, you know, ownership rights? And, uh, you know, let's say we find the owner, and then, you know, we ask the owner, <laughs> like, hey, uh, you know, uh, did you grant this person uh, rights to, uh, to uh, you know, to sell this uh, creative work as an NFT, the person might say, uh, no, but I did grant them this right. And then, you know, the question becomes, like, how far, you know, how much, you know, leeway does that right give the the person to sell or to use the NFT as collateral? And so, you know, that can also uh, be problematic as well, is that, you know, there might be, you know, ownership, but is it the right rights? And, <laughs> and, you know, one of the things about copyright is that, you know, copyright's a bundle of rights. And depending on, like, what copyrightable work uh, you have, you know, 
you might have more than just the six rights under copyright that you get under uh, 17 USC 106. Hopefully I'm remembering uh, that one right. And so you know, those are things you would like have to think about if uh, if you're using uh, NFTs as collateral, especially if you're a creditor, you want to give out loans uh, you know, with the NFTs uh, uh, backing them. And, you know, actually, it's not another thing which can also make this pretty bad, as well as that, you know, if uh, you're the one uh, issuing out the loan, is that, you know, if you get involved in this transaction and it turns out that this person didn't have the, the rights, you know, the, the actual copyrights uh, owner, you know, could be the author or another uh, rights holder, can also come after you for, uh, for giving uh, the, uh, the loan to, uh, uh, to the person who uh who had you know uh well who had the the NFT at the time so you yourself could also get involved in some uh, some legal troubles so you know there's you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of issues that can arise with using uh uh jpeg link nfts uh as collateral for uh uh for uh for defi loans uh so uh you know, that's the, the JPEG link NFT. So as you can tell, it's very complicated and can lead to a lot of problems. And, you know, on the other hand, you have generative art NFTs, which I think actually are uh, less problematic, uh, much less problematic than uh, JPEG link NFTs. And the reason why, you know, goes back to the fact that uh, these uh, JPEG link, uh, uh, sorry, these uh, generative art NFTs are stored on chain. And most importantly, we can see the, so, uh, the source code like we know you know based on this source code that we should get this image so it helps you know track uh, with the providence so going back to the title issue it's much easier to see uh, you know uh, uh, you know how this chance uh, of was created and also with the title we can trace it back to the source code which means you can trace it back to the address uh, and then trace it back to the person who deployed the smart contract, which makes it a lot easier for us to uh, to uh, uh, to establish a title for uh, for the uh, for the MT. Of course, you know this doesn't mean that someone can't just copy uh, someone else's uh, source code for uh, for generative art. Uh, I mean, it's just that uh, it's a little bit it's much harder thing to do. You know, uh, for one, you know, if I copy someone else's uh, source code for general for arts NFT, and it's already been you know deployed on chain. We can see it because we can always you know uh, query uh, uh, the chain. Like for example, you could you know go to like Dune Analytics and look uh, on chain for certain transactions uh, regarding generative arts, and so you might look for transactions which have the same uh, source code but come from an earlier date. So you know that's one way you can kind of get a uh, you know work around that one. Additionally, uh, you know you could have someone you know steal someone else's uh, of arts uh, source code, of, of course off chain and then put that on, on chain. You know very possible, but I think it's a little bit less likely. That's because you know the of arts uh, source code uh, you know created off uh, off chain. You know if it's not solidity. It, you know, it's it's like well you know have fun converting it to solidity so that's one thing that also makes it harder and uh you know additionally is that you know creating you know s you know source code or software it's a lot harder than just right clicking a jpeg uh you know 
it's just much harder to do. So we should expect uh, a little bit less worries uh, when it comes to a, uh, you know, when it comes to title. Uh, you know, with the uh, with the copyright copyrightability concerns, uh, also a little bit less because you know it should be easier uh, with the provenance. And uh, generally, at least for most of the giant art that I've seen, most people are trying to make something you know, kind of pretty original. They're not necessarily, you know, parroting other stuff that they've seen. But, uh, of course, you know, copyright, uh, copyrightability is, uh, it's always, you know, on the table. So, you know, that doesn't uh, go away. I just think it's a little bit less likely with, uh, with generative art. And then, you know, using its actual uh, uh, collateral, it's actually a lot easier for the creditor then because, you know, they can trace it Copyrightability is a little bit less in doubt, uh, and you know, you know uh, that's you know very few people can actually make these, uh, you know, make uh, the source code to actually put up the generative arts. So, uh, you know, less for you to actually you know worry about. So when it comes to you know, uh, you know, uh, JPEG links NFTs versus generative art NFTs, especially for providing lo some liquidity to NFT holders. You know, uh, generative art NFTs are much, much better option, especially when we're dealing with uh, copyrights, uh, copyrightable works, uh, because using a JPEG link NFTs just leads to way too many problems. And you know, one of the things to stand about, you know, possibly to get, you know, help with uh, with that problem of titles, like you know, getting you know data oracle uh, to uh, uh, input information regarding, you know, the well. You know information you want to know about regarding uh, the actual title and the you know, regarding copyrightability. Uh, that would be you know great to have, <laughs> and so you know having you know that article. I don't think you could necessarily get all the all the facts, but I think you can give yourself a really good confidence score. Uh, you know about you know uh, about how uh, you know whether this person actually has uh, the rights. Uh, the rights or a rights to uh to post the uh, uh the copyrightable work as an NFT and then you know post an auction and use it for uh, for collateral. So that's one possible way. Uh, you know, an another one. I think you know probably a lot of these uh, NFT auction platforms are already doing is just put it in your terms of service that you know if you're uh, you know a person a user and you're uploading, you just uh, affirm that you know. You own the work, <laughs> so that that way you don't have to you know, worry about getting uh, sued later on. You know, of course that depends on how many, you know, how much, how many copyright violations are going on. Uh, and then on the topic of copyright violations, you know, of course you have the Digital Millennium Copyright Act (DCMA), which allows for copyright strikes. So you know, if someone's you know abusing someone else's copyright, you can you know strike down their content so that people uh, you know can see it on site. I think that becomes a lot problematic in Web3 because, of course, Web3 is about censorship resistance now, you know, preventing that. But at the same time, you know, if you know, you still need to allow people to do those copyright strikes because, you know, uh, Web3 is also meant to empower the creators. So we don't want people, uh, you know, using other people's copyrighted works to, you know, make money and not give any back to uh, to the creator. So I think you know that tension. It's always gonna gonna be there uh, for these uh, uh, for NFTs and uh, you know really just creative works and uh, how they apply in the uh, in the crypto space, blockchain space, Web three space. <laughs> uh, 
uh, you know, multiple turns for this thing. Uh, you know, I think kind of like forever, but uh, I think we can probably find a pretty good resolution uh, for them. And so uh, now I'm just going to move on to, uh, to some of the securities issues with NFTs. And so on the topic of uh, NFTs being securities, you know, can NFTs be securities? And the answer is, of course, yes. <laughs> you know, anything can be a security. So, you know, that's just something to always watch out for. And so, uh, you know, there's this uh, recent article in the blog by uh, Ryan Weeks, you know, came out uh, October 11th, 2021. Uh, you know, really good read, just talking about how OpenSea, uh, you know, uh, is delisting DAO turtles for financialization concerns, uh, specifically talking about how uh, DAO turtles violated their uh, terms of service. And so I'm just going to quote from the, uh, from the article here. So, quote, uh, an employee of the company wrote that DAO Turtles had violated terms of service, clarifying that it's forbidden to use OpenSea to carry out any financial activities subject to registration or licensing, including but not limited to creating, listing, or buying securities, commodities, options, real estate, or debt instruments, or for fundraising for a business or protocol via an array of methods, including initial coin offerings. End quote. So, you know, from that quote, pretty clear to... Uh, to see that you know there was a terms of service violation, of course, it's not very clear which. <laughs> excuse me. What exactly was violated? But we, uh, but uh, it, you know, we know it's that you know it's this section. I think really the only one that makes sense, uh, or at least the one that makes the most sense, probably is securities, because it doesn't seem you know, like they were selling commodities or options. Uh, you know, no real estate here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, nor did I see any uh, debt instruments, so I think you know, security is probably the best bet. And so, really, what the you know, Turtles was doing was also providing royalties off the back of the uh, of uh, of NFTs in their collection. So, of course, the problem with that is that you know, pretty much any time you have it that someone is you know making money off someone else without you know working themselves. Uh, it's always going to raise securities concerns. So, you know, if I'm saying, <laughs> you know, it's the same with like, uh, you know, if, if you have stock in a company and the company makes, you know, you know, people at the company work, they make you money as a shareholder and boom, you get a dividend. You know, you didn't do any work, but, you know, you got something for it. You know, that's, you know, pretty much like a basic, you know, uh, description of security. You know, if, you know, if you're not working, but someone else is working and, uh, you know, they're doing it for, you know, to give you a return, Boom, you know, you got, uh, you got security. And so, you know, that's a sign that also comes up with some of these NFT col uh, collections and collectors. Because some of them want to provide extra value other than just having the NFT. And this goes, of course, back to the liquidity issues. But, you know, you have this collection and, you know, how do I get more people to buy into my collection? Oh, let me uh, also just get them some royalties. Uh, and of course, you know that's where the securities concerns uh, comes uh, comes into play. So you know this wasn't just for uh, you know uh, well Dio turtles, but uh, you know this at least the first projects to be kicked off. Uh, you know this might happen to some other projects in OpenSea as well. And really, the big thing here is that OpenSea, you know. Uh, you know was at least not reported to have been pressured to uh, to remove Dio turtles, but uh, 
you know, it just shows that you know, they're looking out and you know, making sure that you know, there isn't a violation. So that you know, if something does happen in the future, you know, the SEC starts looking, and uh, you know that they don't get caught up themselves. Because you know, the SEC starts looking. Uh, you know, it's usually you know, the SEC. Sorry, the SEC, uh, which you know stands for Securities and Exchange Commission here in the U.S. Uh, sorry for uh, for just saying SEC without you know actually naming the uh, the agency. Uh, you know, if they're lucky and they you know go after you, it's usually a good chance that they're gonna win. Because rarely does the SEC pick a case where they have a bad chance. And of course, you don't want to give the SEC a reason uh, to uh, to come after you because you know they they love going after you know <laughs> people who uh, who they think to break the law. <laughs> they, you know, that's their job, so that's uh, that's what they'll do. And so, uh, you know, there's also like another article here from the blog. This one by uh, Tim Copeland uh, came out uh, you know, October 11, 2021. Uh, the title's uh, Why FTX's Upcoming Marketplaces for NFTs to Offer Royalties. So uh, FTX just put out, you know, uh, their own uh, anti-marketplace on uh, the Solana blockchain. And so, you know, they just want to make it really clear that's, you know, no, uh, that they don't want any projects which, you know, distributes uh, or advertise uh, distribution royalties to, uh, to holders. You know, of course, this is, you know, the same issue that's uh, led to a DAO turtles getting kicked off of OpenSea. Uh, you know, and, you know, funny enough, the thing about, you know, royalties, like, you know, if it is a copyrightable uh, work, you, like, you can get royalties. Like, that's perfectly fine. However, it only really works if you're you know, an owner <laughs> of uh, you know of that NFT. Uh, sorry, of the of the copyrightable work. You know, if you're an owner of copyrightable work, you can always get royalties. You know, you don't have to do any work yourself. <laughs> so, you know, usually that's not a not a problem there. You know, if you can uh, show your uh, show your ownership. That's you know usually the way you get royalties from uh, from your uh, copyrightable works is through licensing agreements. So through the licensing agreements. You can get royalties, and boom, there you go. So you don't really have to worry about securities concerns. So the reason why these guys have to worry about securities concerns, and you know, they're using the term royalties when they should really be using, you know, like dividends. Uh, you know, once again, bad, uh, <laughs> bad terminology. Uh, it's really just that, uh, you know, here, you know, uh, you know, I don't think anything's being, you know, nothing's being licensed out. You know, it's just that, you know, people are buying into a collections. Uh, and so this empty collection, you know, if it's just, let's just say, you know, crypto art, you know, it's kind of like an art gallery, sort of. And so if you want people to, you know, buy into your art gallery and then, you know, earn a return without doing any work, you know, security. <laughs> you know, you, it's, you're going to have a really, really tough time, you know, uh, uh, getting away from the from the notion that uh, that's what you're putting out is a as uh, a security, and that's really the the big thing uh, here is that you know you have these NFT collections, and of course these people want to you know, uh, you know provide more value to uh, to the to the holders of uh, of their collection. Uh, and you know, like I said, you know, think of you know, this like NFT collection really is like an art gallery which you can all just like buy into. It's like how do I get you know people to have more value for my art gallery? I'll I'll get some dividends, but the thing is, you know, this is actually like a very doable thing, you know, just not really the way they're going about it, <laughs> and that's really the big thing, you know, uh, with crypto and securities. It's not, you know, 
it's not the fact you can't have crypto that are securities. It's just you know how do you go about uh, uh, you know distributing it and uh, advertising it. Because that's really you know the big crux of it. You know, and you know as a security, of course, register with the SEC. And you know once you do that, like you're good to go. <laughs> like you know really once again it just goes boils down to just follow procedure. And yeah, you follow procedure, you're good to go. Like the SEC really doesn't care if you <laughs> if you screw over a lot of people. Uh, you know, really not that much. As long as you follow, you know, follow the rules. Like boom, there you go. You know, that's fine. Because I mean, people lose their money all the time. The SEC doesn't come and save people. That's you know, once again, their only concern is you know, just make sure that people get information, and that's you know, people are following the rules. That's it. And so yeah, I just wanted to uh, just include this quote here from uh, from the you know why FTX's upcoming marketplaces putting NFTs off for royalties article. Uh, so quotes, uh, uh, FTX. US President Brett, Brett Harrison said, uh, uh, "quote We will list NFT products that pay royalties to the artists uh, slash creators, but we can't list those products which distribute the royalties from collection sales to NFT holders." A token which guarantees a percentage income stream from the sales of a pool of assets starts to look like a security, uh, end quote, end quote. And so, you know, as you can see from that quote, pretty clear, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, Brett Harrison, you know, gets the problem. And, uh, you know, as he mentioned, you know, if it goes back to the artist creators, you know, no problem. Because, you know, once again, copyright ownership. <laughs> you know, if you have copyright ownership, you can also earn royalties. Though, of course, you know, you should make it pretty explicit that you have some licensing agreement or uh, something uh, or some other type of agreement. You know, it's also good to have make it really explicit. You know, usually, you can do a little bit of that in the smart contract, but of course, you know, you know what exactly are you getting from uh, from having the NFT from uh, from the artist? You know, again, the copyrights or again one of the rights under copyrights. You're again all six rights under copyrights. Uh, you know, is it just a licensing agreement? You know, it got to you know really be clear on what you, you know what people are getting, and that's something that I, I haven't seen a lot of discussion on yet. But uh, you know, I think it's something that people will think about as we see more uh, creative works, uh, you know, being the place MT, some more platforms being uh, which are geared towards uh, 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 creatives and uh, uh, social money, social tokens. So yeah, I think it's definitely something that you know that'll eventually get resolved. But uh, something that needs to be talked about is you know you have all these you know, NFTs out there, and it's like you know what what exactly are you getting for this NFT? You know, is it just a sale of a copy? Because you know, funny enough, once you sell <laughs> once you sell a copy, you know, uh, you don't have any you know you you know as a creator, uh, sorry as an author, you know you do lose some of the the rights. Uh, you know, regarding uh, that, uh, uh, you know, some of your copyright rights uh, regarding that copy. I mean, think of it like when you buy a book uh, from, uh, you know, from uh, from Amazon. You don't, you don't pay back the author, do you? <laughs> like, you don't have to. That's, once again, some of the, you know, rights have, you know, go away after the, the first sale. So, sure, you know, Artists are against you know uh, a pay uh, a payment split from uh, from the uh, from the end of uh, well from the future sales in the MT. But the question is like, should they actually be getting the money? 
as you know, it does raise a concern about uh, you know the the you know first sale because you know, after the first sale you can't really control what goes on with it. Now, of course, you can still you know earn some money from it, but you know, dang it, you know what you know, you know at least you know for me is that you know there's just some questions there. It's like first sale, you know, not really too much of a concern, too much. Uh, I just kind of wanted to bring it up because I just thought it was interesting. Because, you know, you do have a sale, but it's like the first sale kind of never really goes away. Uh, but, of course, you know, once that sale's gone, you know, the copyright you know, holder doesn't really have any say on the future distribution of that copy. But, of course, it's a little, you know, different with, you know, MT since you can track them all on chain. And let's just say that a certain person wants to own... Uh, an NFT, but the artist, you know, says that I don't want this person owning my NFT. You know, in that situation, you know, you know what, you know, who do we go with? You know, going by like the the first sale, uh, excuse me, first sale doctrine. And I, I apologize. I should have just said first sale doctrine instead of first sale rights. I apologize. You know they would have no uh, no ability to control that, and sure, you know that hasn't come up yet, but you know probably will come up in the future. Yes, yeah, yes, you know as more people you know uh, verify themselves on chain more, then you know more unique identities. You know we kind of get an idea of who is who, you know, especially as you know the Ethereum name system becomes more popular, and you know this you know. On the off chance that happens to be that someone you don't want to own your uh, your NFT, uh, you know, wants to you know buy your NFT at an auction, it's like can you stop them? You know, probably not, just based on the first sale doctrine. But you know, could you write that in as uh, in a smart contract? Yes. <laughs> but then would that comply with uh, with copyright law? Probably not. <laughs> so it's uh, you know uh, you know something just a just a thing about you know. You know, especially with these, you know, entities, you know, you can, you know, you got, you know, a lot of copyright concerns to think about. You have securities concerns to think about. You know, a lot of legal issues to, uh, to think about. So it makes this uh, space really fun to look at. But, uh, you know, just uh, keeping going back to the securities and things, that was sort of just pretty much uh, uh, all my, uh, all my thoughts on them. And so for the uh, first article. Where uh, talked about the DAO turtles. Uh, the article is titled OpenSea D-List DAO Turtles Project, citing financialization concerns by Ryan uh, Weeks. Uh, you know this was on the block, and the other article was also on uh, the block. The the block uh, two words. Yeah, the website's theblockcrypto.com. And so uh, you know those are just some of the interesting legal issues that come up with uh, with NFTs and. Why, even though you can you can definitely use them for uh, uh, for copyrightable works, uh, as we've seen, you know there's still a lot of legal issues to uh, to actually deal with, and I think really to me the most interesting one is like what you know uh, intellectual property rights go along with uh, you know uh, with the NFTs and the sale of them uh, through auctions. And so, yeah, I think that'll be about it for uh, for this episode. So, you know, thanks for listening. Uh, you know, once again, my name is Charles Ojevu. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at C-A-D-J-O-V-U. Uh, uh, you know, I don't think I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, but, you know, uh, this is uh, J- 
just for informational purposes. This is not legal advice at all. It's not investment advice, not financial advice, uh, not tax, not any kind of advice you know you can find under the sun. <laughs> you know, don't ever refer to this to uh, to help your own case because you will probably just uh, you know might not you know uh, might not help you. Uh, yeah, I just want to let you you know you know let you know you know just for informational purposes and just something that I thought was very interesting. Uh, also, really importantly, just because uh, you listen to this does not make me a lawyer. Uh, uh, yeah, I just have to remind people of that. Uh, you know, once again, I'm Charles Drew with the Electric Digital Constitution Cooperative. You can find me on Twitter at cadjovu. You can find Ledgerback on Twitter at uh, Ledgerback L E D G E R B A C K. Uh, uh, Ledgerback is a 501c3, so if you want to hear more interesting uh, podcasts and uh, articles, essays, whatnot, uh, donate. Uh, you know, be tax deductible. You can donate crypto, like we take anything. <laughs> to, to be honest, like you know, we'll take it. Uh, if you want to support uh, particular projects uh, that's uh, that I'm working on or someone else is working on, uh, you can find them all in Open Collective. So just go opencollective.com and uh, donate from there. Or you know, if you want certain services, uh, you can also uh, get them on Open Collective. Excuse me. You want to become a member of the Electric Digital Commons Futures Cooperative? Uh, you know, just complete the membership form. I'm, you know, I'm thinking right now, but you know, if you want to become a member, just send an email to electricbike.com and we'll uh, kind of go from there. Uh, so, you know, once again, thanks for uh, listening in to, uh, to this episode of the Failed Math Series on Musings. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about uh, this episode, uh, send me a message uh, on Twitter at CADJOVU. Uh, this episode is made by speaking to microphones. Uh, if you want to sponsor uh, uh, an episode of the Film Math Series on Musings or another uh, series from uh, from Film Math for the Ledgeback Research Podcast, please let me know. If you want to be interviewed, uh, please let me know. You know. Once again, send an email to ledgeback.gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at C-A-D-J-O-V-U. Uh, you know, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, and hopefully come by for the next episode.